I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Supercoach Podcast. We are on the last recording for 2022 season. The season is now done. So we're doing the wrap-up podcast where we talk about everything that we learned this year and do a few slap-me-in-the-faces as we do every single season. I'm going to intro my main man. Well, he's not my main man. I've got I've got a couple of main men. He's one of my main men, and that's Chizo. Hey, mate. Mate, I've been looking forward to this podcast for about 27 weeks now, um, in, 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 and uh, I'm glad that we finally got here. Yeah, it's, it's been that sort of season, I think, where after week four, I was like, oh, gee, this wrap-up podcast can't come quick enough. Mate, week um, four, where were you? Like, I'd already given up at that point. Uh, when I go through my ranks, I was okay by that point, but yeah, <laughs> I wasn't far away, don't worry. Um, it's good to have you, mate. Do you, do you want to give your final rank for the season? But like you know, just throw that out there. I'm sure it was higher than mine. Uh, Nine thousand and fifty-five was the final rank. Um, very very happy to grind out a top ten k finish after such an abysmal first fifteen or sixteen weeks. So um, positives to take into next year. Excellent. Okay, let me try again. Uh, Pistol, how are you, mate? Do you have a lower rank than me? I mean, of course. What do you mean? There, there was no chance you could end up beating you by 300 points. So it wasn't oh, even God. close at the end of the season. But yeah, finished strongly with a uh, final rank of 6,501. When I say strongly, I really... <laughs> the last five weeks, I went from 7,000 to 6,500. So maybe not that strong. <laughs> well, that, that's upsetting. I, from round 11, where I was ranked 11,027... 
uh, gained 200 places to finish at 10,800. So a strong finish for myself as well, <laughs> um, averaging about 20 place rank um, rise per week from then, which is you know, steady green arrows, which is all we can expect in this game. Um, it is great to have you guys on. We are, of course, sponsored by Code Sports, uh, powered by Code Sports as per usual this year, which is great. Great to have them on board. We're going to go through some housekeeping before we uh, get into the nitty gritty of the podcast and talk about what we learned and what we need to take into next season. We're going to start with the Prize League. Uh, so, Pistol, are you aware of the Prize League winners for the month? Am I aware? I'm, I am aware of them. I can go through it. We had in third place, we had Meso's Muppets with 7503. We had a three-way tie for second, which is the first time uh, we've ever had that before. So that's obviously very close. General Soreness, uh, Team Extreme, and uh, Skank Hunt, 42. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> they, they tied at 7524. And the winner... In the last month, with seven five forty five, so only twenty one points ahead, was uh, Benny Buzzboys. Benny, oh my god, a, a very generous contributor. Benny, he's been around for a very long time, and I remember him putting several drinks in front of me at the uh, one of the catch ups there. So Benny, always been one of my favourites. Glad to get him a mug. Not that I did it. I mean, I <laughs> yeah, good job, Benny. Yeah, actually, but take the credit. Um, <laughs> Chizo, we have a random draw winner as we do with the prize league. Would you like to shout that person out? It's the Birdman. <laughs> oh, God, the sound effects. <laughs> no, um, no, no, that's just actually a pigeon I brought in for it. <laughs> oh, my God, that's incredible dedication. Um, all right, Birdman, the, the random draw winner, winning a Dr. Zubigate stubby holder. Um, there might be changes to the prize league next season, so definitely stay tuned to that. Uh, exciting announcements probably coming in the off-season or pre-season 2023. So congratulations to the final month prize winners, uh, Birdman and, of course, Benny Buzzboys. Now, we've got the we've got a lot of shout-outs to do on this podcast, by the way. Dr. Supercoach Cup winner. Uh, so who, who wants to take this one? Who wants to do the announcement here? Or do you want me to do it? Um, well, you seem to be in charge of the podcast, mate, so I'll leave you up to the decision-making. <laughs> Uh, I just look to you for guidance, Jesus. Like, <laughs> right, look, a, I'll, a, an I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it off yeah, your back for, for you. For um, mate, we had uh, Dilza from All Gone, Pete Tong taking out a nine and zero run up against DRSC Richie Rich uh, in the final. Um, Dilza defeating Richie Rich at uh, 25-39 to 24-55. And in the bronze medal, uh, we had CJ, the stunned mullet, uh, knocking out the number one seed, Pommy, DRSC, Chera Picker, um, who looked very, very strong about midway through the tournament. Didn't, didn't look like he could, uh, he could get knocked off, but CJ, 25-14 to 24-19. Um, all of their, those guys end up um, getting some merch. Um, Ponomi ends up getting some merch being the, the highest rated coach with the RSC in his name so he doesn't leave empty handed um, and the Dr. Supercoach Cup is uh, being engraved uh, late last week and it's on its way out to Dill so um, Incredible. Some, some really really good uh, snaps coming up soon uh, as soon as he gets it and just a reminder I don't know if we can pump this up as a free competition because you have to be in the Patreon to, to enter but um, you don't have to be in the prize league. There's no extra or additional cost above the base level entry into Patreon to get into this competition. Mm. Uh, so incredible value. There's, I think we 
we think probably our second most amount of um, money just into this prize alone, uh, and it's the the cheapest competition to enter on our Slack. So um, incredible for those guys. Obviously, you have to be an incredible coach to get there. Nine and zero, as you said, Chizo, uh, just such a great run for Dilza and. Um, I, I just, yeah, you've won it yourself, Chizo. You obviously know how difficult it is, but um, it I can't see difficult. myself. I, I, yeah, well, not for you. <laughs> you, were, you had Sean Darcy pumping out one sixties as captain each week, but <laughs> and sixties. Um, don't forget that. I don't know if there were any sixties late. There was that, a sixty in the last round. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, now, for us mere mortals, I, I usually go out in the second, second or third round, and I rig the draw for myself. So I don't really know <laughs> what else I can do to get past that. <laughs> I was drinking, you idiot! <laughs> <laughs> it's a difficult competition to win. So congratulations, um, Pistol. Last coach standing. Your, you've got your fingerprints all over that one. Yeah, another free entry tournament. I guess at the same free in air quotations um being to be a patron to sign up so yeah more than 520 coaches entered and the winner of the competition was legion of boom so congrats to josh mm. uh big score 2519 in the last week to outlast all the other um six finalists so yeah fantastic winner and uh, that's crazy, yeah, crazy Wh- which competition do you think is more difficult to win pistol oh it'd be last hard coach. i mean it's a the head to head. If you think about you it, the last coach standing, consistency. Last, last coach standing, you're literally one against five, like one against the field for that last week. So you got to get through all the good coaches, and then you have to beat all five other good coaches in essentially a head to head to head to head to head to head. Yeah, I think that's I think the, the LCS is probably harder to win because of the final three rounds are really really difficult. You have worse than fifty fifty, I think of being well roughly i think the the last two weeks at least are probably harder as long as yep. it's more than 50 50 chance of being cut then statistically it's probably harder to win and you can't trade for this you, you can't no. like try to you know quell point of differences from the other teams because there's five of them you're going to have players like front and center you really just have to back your team in to, to be the best which legion of boom unbelievable run by you um i don't know his slack name it's josh isn't it josh it's, something it's, it's legion of boom <laughs> Oh, is that is his Slack name as well? Yeah. Okay. Well, his, his actual name can't be Legion, so I'm assuming that's Josh then. Yes. Well, it could oh, congr- be. It congratulations, could be Josh. First name, but it's unlikely. Well, Josh the surname? Yeah, potentially. Well, we know Josh is in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's mi- just Mr. Josh. Josh, congratulations! <laughs> an unbelievable win. Um, all right, now we got a couple of Cancer Council donations to go through, and then I've got a little statistic for you, Pistol, going on from what we did last season for the Cancer Council in this last podcast. Sure, we have uh, a donation from Pistol. Uh, the Shuiper Stars lost a 500-point lead and then re-overtook me in the final round to win a head-to-head bet. So congratulations, Chris, and I hope your team loses to the Swans. <laughs> for-, <laughs> spiteful, but, uh, for a donation. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, who makes a bet when they're 500 points ahead on even grounds and then I ended up actually catching up but then lost in the final week? So, Shreepy stars. Yeah, clearly. I, I, think, um, I think you shouted them out at the start. JB, another donor that sounds familiar. He says, shout out to uh, SC mates, Alex, Reg Rambo, Damien Meher, Jessica Trawane, Gary, Judge Sheller, Donkey Magoo, Hee Haw, Matty, Jave, Daniel on Twitter for honouring the great Robbie Gray. Uh, those those are the Robbie Gray trade-ins. And Chizo, mate, you, you, you missed out on a good score. I thought you were going to get him in. 
And I told you I ran out of trades once I uh, I went Tommy Stewart to Jack Sinclair to, to shore up my defence for the final round. Sinclair to Stewart, you, you mean the other way around? Did you yeah, lose yeah, points on that? Yeah, 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 I did. Yeah, so we well, thanks for that. Thanks for the scarily advice. Scarily inaccurate on our final predictions. I mean, we were predicting tags that happened, but for some what reason, what did Clark Gray just, score in the final week? Uh, Eighty-seven, I think. Okay, yeah, could have oh, I would have taken that. And I think he, I think it was like two. He had two goals, four or something. Like he really. Really should have been um, a bit better, but eighty-seven. You know, it's a, it's a good. Did score. you get any captaincies? Any nine-dollar donos? I got two captaincies, I believe. So Damien, nice. um, well Ma definitely did. And uh, I still think captaincies should have been doubled. What two dollars? Yeah, because captaincy doubles your score. So if his his number is nine, it should have been an eighteen-dollar dono. Oh, so <laughs> double double the nine-dollar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Matty JH did as well He's in the slack um, But he also had a ghost ship team He hadn't touched since round 12 So <laughs> He just logged log back in for the first time since he April did. Just he to make it donate did. He even said so Which I respect <laughs> uh, And uh, Jia Jia Jer Jar Jarry That's a donation uh, surely He, he, he did a uh, Oh god trust me These letters everywhere mate It doesn't make sense um, his, He did a captaincy in Dream Team Which I also honoured So Good job Oh nice I doubt the scoring dream team was 87, though. It's that takes significantly worse. JB, the total donations um, yes. raised for the Cancer Council to $24,707. Unbelievable effort from everybody. Thanks, everyone, for don- donating this season. I mean, I can't wait for next year to, to crack the $25,000 mark. That will be incredible when we're, we're so close. So, Pistol. Yes. We, this year... Actually, let me start with last year. Last year, we raised uh, $3,000 awesome. for the entire season. The year prior, we, that, that $3,000 broke the year prior's record by about $30 or something. So, it was, it was about $3,000 the year prior as well. But we, we've gone back-to-back on records. This season, we've raised $8,354. Holy cow. More than doubling our previous records. That's incredible. So, Unbelievable effort! Mm. Uh, another shout out overdue for the the super coach uh, DRC vets and the DRC youth gang, young guns, youth young gang. bucks, whatever that they want to be called. <laughs> How do you well, do, well, fellow kids? <laughs> I've seen I've seen Jacko in real life, and he threw up nothing but gang signs. So I'm just going to assume that's what they all do. Um, no, no, those those lot all obviously contributing a major amount of money to the cancer council this year. So. Much appreciation goes to those fellas. Uh, so, I mean, I, I won't name names, but I do recall as a uh, Coom and Butler and immediately also, names names. No, no, but I'm not going to name <laughs> names. Um, all right, fine, I'll stop then. Th- those those three <laughs> specifically were unbelievable. No, fantastic. Thanks again. I was going to give more much. good shout outs, but obviously they don't deserve it. No. You know, we're we're going to move on. Um, Patreon billing. So, uh, before I get this drastically wrong, do either of you two know completely and entirely what we're doing with the billing in the off-season? Yes. So, um, the September payment will be processed and that one month 
um, for anyone that hasn't signed up and wants to get some some fun over the uh, off season, it's basically a one for three deal. So you get October, um, November, and December free. There'll be some content still coming out on Patreon. Um, some non Supercoach uh, uh, agree to disagree po- uh, podcast content with uh, UJB, which we we love that. Uh, and then we'll be doing some pre season stuff as we lead into Christmas and get ready for the Triple Ds in January. Um, we usually do a, a, a team picker kind of mid December and stuff as well. So mm-hmm. there's that to look forward Super to. Supercoach horse racing. The big one. Yeah, and, and, and the horse racing and BBL that we have in Slack each year. I'm, I'm trying to crack. Uh, last year was pretty good. JB, I came eighth in normal Supercoach and then 25th in horse racing. So if I've come 9,000th this year, surely that means I come like. 45,000 in horse racing this year. Yeah, extrapolate that data and it doesn't look yeah, good for yeah. you. Maybe, maybe you skip horse I racing. I wish this there's 45,000 signups for the horse racing. That would be a good yeah. season. But we, we do, do our, uh, as we saw last year, we had the uh, the Supercoach Horse Racing podcast and stuff, which this year is probably just going to be um, within Patreon yet to confirm, but um, hopefully we'll get the boys back. And uh, and they were really, really influential in, in a lot of the success that we had in Slack uh, for horse racing last year. We'll see how if that can continue. Absolutely. So FBL is also active at the moment, as will NBA be shortly. Um, then obviously we're all in there gaming and doing all sorts of other things, preparing for Supercoach 2023. And then obviously the, the actual app will drop itself in December. So uh, look, just unbelievable value if you sign up now. Uh, you, you might be thinking, I, I've wanted to sign up. I don't, uh, I, I, you know, want to see what I'm missing out on, but don't quite have the, uh, the, the knacks to jump in and pay the the full price for however many months. This is a really good way to just dip your feet in the water and just see how you like it. So, mm. um, yeah. yeah, just good opportunity for people. We've got the AFLW fantasy as well going on. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Yeah, so are quite keen on it. So that's that's yeah going on at the moment, which is exciting. Great. Um, okay, so that's pretty much going to do the the um, housekeeping. The fifteen minutes of housekeeping Huge. that we do. Uh, this last podcast always needs is such a long, long housekeeping section. Uh, so if you're still with us, we appreciate it. We are going to talk about Supercoach. We're going to talk about the season that was the 2022 season. That it's funnily enough, I had to listen to last season's. Uh, well, sorry, I got to listen to last season's podcast uh, that we did around the same time doing the wrap up, and we were all so giddy and up and about. And I actually shouted out my rank of 1800 with shame. Um, I said 1,800 and my head was like lowered because you two both went top 100. Um, a lot of slack went top 100. We we read out all the statistics, which we're not going to do this year because we only did that when we're up and about. Um, but it's, it's going to be such a good comparison looking at this year's podcast and what we've learned compared to last year um, with the, the sort of you know interchangeable um, ranks that we've, we've now had. So we're going to start off by talking about the most important thing that Supercoach 2022 had to offer and that is the rule changes, the several rule changes that we went through this year we learned in the preseason of and tried to perfect but obviously um, see our ranks didn't quite do as well as a lot of the other community members in, in just nailing down these rule changes and I think we've learned, I, I personally, I'm not going to speak for you guys, I personally have learned more than ever in any other season of Supercoach, including my first ever season of Supercoach, more about the game this year than than ever before. So um, I'm going to start us off with the five additional trades plus trade boosts. Let's have a discussion. I'm going to start off with you, Pistol. 
I want to know what you thought of these rules and how they would impact you going into the season and how that opinion changed as the season went along. And I know for a fact you've got a really refined point of view on these um, rule changes now and how we attack them next season. Yeah, so I think that the 35 trades and the trade boosts was a real winner for Supercoach. I think it was a, a, Absolutely. a super positive change to the game. Um, I couldn't speak more highly about how, I guess, fun it was as well, particularly early days, even though my season was quickly derailing. I, I was pushing for well, I was over 40K going into round seven, but it was still really fun with the boosts because you could just boost every week and you're like, you get to say boost, which is a fun word to say, and you change large parts of your team. So I think that was a massive win. It was it was really enjoyable. So big kudos to the, the Supercoach team for coming up with that idea. Firstly, 35 trades. I think it, it's a lot of trades, but at the beginning of the season going in, I didn't think that it was as meant like it mentally probably wasn't as many as it ended up being in practicality. Like, I wasted a lot of trades this year on either sideways or just a couple of stinking trades and still ended up having trades at the end of the season, which you just... I mean, I had Taranto as cover as well at the end of the season, which I would usually never have a premium cover, and I had done all these bad trades. So 35 trades is a lot more than probably what I was expecting at the beginning of the season, which means that... In terms of starting position and strategy for next season, I probably would do things very differently, although I think maybe we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, yeah. Specifically on trade boosts, I think that part we got right in terms of using them early. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the trick was to use them and grab, I guess, the fallen premiums such as like the, the Sicily or the you know Darcy Cameron um any one of you know Crips or Hewitt or whoever the cheaper premiums were. The problem was using them on the wrong people, which you're not going to get it wrong every year, hopefully. Um, but in terms of using them correctly, I think earlier was better. We saw quite a lot of teams just not use all their trade boosts and then there's no benefit of keeping them really because at the end of the season, like we predicted, you weren't really going to use three trades in like round 19. You were just going to use one and then maybe one and then maybe one. But using them early did get teams, you know, to full premium quicker and let you get more premiums quicker as well, which was well, a big win. Can I can I jump in? No, that was so, the end um, my rant. <laughs> oh, that was the Oh, I feel bad jumping in now. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, let me let me throw this to you then, Chizo. Our, um, mm. We thought in the preseason... And I think we adjusted to this on the fly. We thought we'd be saving most of our trade boosts for the buys. That didn't turn out to be the case. Um, I think we adjusted accurately. But what are your thoughts on that? Because um, I know a lot of people did save it for the buys and exited the buys with trade boosts remaining still. So um, I think we made the right call. But um, would you do anything differently next season? Do you feel like you needed one during the buys? Um, so I was one of those coaches that actually held on to, I think it was two trade boosts for the buys. Actually, it might have been three. Um, Perfect guy to ask then. Yeah, I think I think I boosted going into um, like a, a three cash grab, mm -hmm. nothing in round 12, and then 13, 14 went boost, boost um, to do my, 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 my final three. Yep. Um, Counterintuitively... I actually felt like I had less flexibility 
because I, uh, as I always do, I plan four moves ahead and um, sort of this guy's going here and then that I'm going to have this much money to get that guy the following week and then he's going to drop. And so what I found is it didn't give me any flexibility because I was already allocating those trade boosts to do things. And so when someone ended up getting injured, um, I forget, I think it was round 12 or round, I think it was round 13 where we had like a dozen of our rookies yeah. just not named. Yep. Yep. I'd already allocated that boost somewhere. And so it didn't actually give me any flexibility whatsoever in order to actually cover that. And I ended up with a donut. Um, uh, I think I ended up with two donuts that week because it had already been allocated. So um, I definitely went against the grain and held on to my trade boosts a little bit longer than I had predicted. Sort of played a similar style to what I did last year where I just kind of let everyone appreciate and then trade them all out in a big flurry. Um, it didn't work out, not only because of the, the, the players that were unavailable, but it, it, it was no different to having two trades that you already allocate and then someone gets injured, except now I've, I, I felt like I was digging a deeper hole because not only do I have to make three moves this week and three moves next week, but now I've got two other people that I need to move and suddenly I'm like eight trades in the hole just trying to, to, to straighten everything out. Um, so I, I I think they're probably not necessary going into the buys. I think next year I'm going to be a lot more aggressive. Um, they, they're clearly the benefit to them this year, which we... I think Pistol was the first person to bring it up, uh, was just simply use them to uh, get your upgrade cadence going earlier and yep. more successfully into the season. And I think next year I might keep one for the buys if I have a poor buy structure. But otherwise, I will just spend more time. So I, another thing is I, I didn't really give myself the flexibility during the buys this year because I didn't think it would be needed. I've got all these boosts. I'm going to be doing 12 trades in a three-week span. But the problem was once I'd allocated them, all the flexibility had gone. Um, yeah, and so I think I, I, I think I, I hadn't put in the buy structure planning that I usually would have that made me succeed last season. Um, and so particularly this year was a real wake-up call that even though we have 35 trades, which I, I'm, I'm going out in a limb and saying my personal opinion is that's too much. Um, it's too catered to the casuals um, and there's not enough punishment for making mistakes. That's just um, my belief in the way that this this game should be played. Um, and yeah, just the, the, the lack of flexibility and the, the upgrade cadence starting later than everyone else, it was just impossible to catch up. Yeah, so uh, from my perspective, I kept one of the trade boosts for the buyers. Um, however, I, I used all of the I used all of my other ones prior, but I it didn't actually even make it to the buyers. So in my buyer planning, I did have a trade boost active, but in round eleven, I popped it anyway, uh, just because I think Bonson Pelly became a must get, and and I just had to find a way to get him in and, and get a couple of rookies in around him, uh, which which also it did assist my buyers anyway, but. Um, I thought I'd be doing that trade later, and and Bond just went on a spree of you know one twenties, one thirties. He had a really low break even going into that that first buy. So I did it with the thought of I'm going to hold it, hold it, hold it for the buy. No one else has held it. I'm going to get an upper hand here. Um, but I think the the boosts this year um, did what hopefully they're going to do every year, and I think they just made themselves. It, it they pretty much picked themselves. 
Uh, and some people used it by round 10, like they, they just had to boost their way out of certain holes or um, wanted to boost their way further ahead. However, they used it. Some people used it by round 10, not round 9 even. Um, even earlier, I've seen cases of people using it and that might have worked out for them. It might not have worked out for me. I think the boosters do a really good job of identifying themselves as this is the week to use it for your team. Uh, so, so don't feel pressured to keep it for the buyers because um, I think Pistol, you and I had a few discussions about this during the season is like, what are you saving it for if you need to use it now? you're just assuming later on in the season you're going to have this exact scenario where you need to use it then is going to come up but why assume why count on that when you've already got that scenario right in front of you right now um what pressure do you feel to to save that trade boost um so i feel like that sort of discussion should be had as well i think this is an aspect that we nailed quite quite well as well to ask a question i guess to help how many trades did you actually use during 12, 13, and 14 for both of you? Like total? 12, 13, 14? Yeah, uh, that is I, a great I, I question. Used, I used eight trades. So you used eight of your possible nine? Yeah. And I used seven. Um, Chizo, how many did you use? Uh, I used nine. Okay, so even... With the boost in there as well, right? Uh, yeah, with a with a boost. Uh, but I, I also used three going into round 15. So it was picking up round 14 players coming off the buy. So I still kind of consider yeah. that part of the buy right. planning. So collectively between zero. rounds 11, <laughs> round 11 and round 15, I used 12 trades in a four-week four span. I think we were full premium yeah, much earlier than what we expected as well. I think so, um, so that, that's where I was going at with JB when I asked that question is I yep. think... To to make, I guess, a combined point of Chizo's the lack of flexibility, I got stifled my flexibility in the buys because I was fully primo at like round 13 or so. And it meant that I didn't really want to trade in the buys because I was going to end up just sideways trading premiums for, for no real reason. So it made mm. me hold my trades, which I then didn't have that good of a buys um, compared to other people because... You know, other people obviously were upgrading through the buys and sideways trading, but I had already, like, I was done. I was like, well, what do I do now? I think what I would do if I had my time again was I probably should have kept pushing. Like, I ended up, as I said, with Taranto on the bench, and I made that decision in round, you know, 18 to do that, but I could have done it in round 14 and just played with an extra premium. I saw a team that got sent to me at the end of round 14 or round 15, and they had two premiums on the bench. Um, yeah, wasn't that the one that had Nick Dacos at like D seven M nine? Yeah, they had Dacos and they they had uh, I think it was Tex as well. Um, yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah, I remember. And I was thinking, well, I just stopped when I hit twenty two because that's what we kind of typically would do in a normal season. But I think if I just kept going, then you know I would have had another premium through the buys to bolster my scoring. But you just kind of, the mindset wasn't there for this year because usually you would get to 22 and you'd stop and you'd reassess. But if you have the trades, you know, we could have probably just kept going. And that's maybe what I, I would have been, I should have been more aggressive during the buys rather than playing still really, really, I guess, passively at that stage because I'd been aggressive earlier and I thought, oh, maybe I'll slow down. Mm. But probably should have just kept putting the foot on the gas at that point in time. So can I try to... Um change our mindsets for next season a bit so instead of having five extra trades to get full premium 
should we consider that we've got one extra trade, but full premium is two premiums more than what it usually is to try and get bench cover? Do you know what I mean? Maybe one. <laughs> so what? So yeah, we got one extra trade. Oh, sorry, did I say two? As in two extra premiums. That, that's a lot more premiums. Um, yeah, I mean, but we've got five five extra trades to get those two extra premiums. Yeah, so but if, if it's one up, one down, two extra trades. Do you know what I mean? But you're coming faster. So I... I, I Personally, only called Durden early, um, but I think other people, when you've got the boosts and you're using it before the buy, you're probably more likely to call rookies a little bit too early just because you can. And then, I mean, this year may have been a bit of an outlier with how many cheap premiums there were. So I, I think you could probably... So should we say one. plus one premium? I think so. And then, but is that a good way to look at it? Because... Like you said, you stopped, but you you might not have been quote unquote what we should be, have been looking at as full premium by getting a guy on the bench. You weren't at that yet, so you should have, like you said, kept going until you had that extra guy on the bench, yeah, which would have helped your buyers also and um, had had better cover throughout the season. For example, you probably would have kept Zach Butters if you had Toronto <laughs> on the bench yeah. at that time, so um, or so, or someone equivalent. So um, I just wonder if. Yeah, I wonder if that's something that we just sort of just take into next season as as a different mindset. And and Chizu, you said uh, you alluded to the fact that thirty five is too many trades. Mm. Um, is it too many trades for a twenty three premium team? I'm not sure. Um, yeah, it's a good question. Uh, the 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 reason that I say that is it does nothing. It doesn't it, it it doesn't really change the way that we play the game all that much. It just makes it slightly more aggressive and more fun in the opening rounds. Um, I, I don't know what it was like for you guys, but I came out of the buys with the same number of trades I've always had. You know, if we're using them before the buys, it's actually not changing the game all that much beyond being able to do more fun things in the beginning. So Can I when jump you in? Cut- yeah. Sorry. Um, it's just, I, I think this year, as opposed to last year, I think that's mostly just because we stuffed our starting team so badly. Um, I think that we're going to talk about our starting team soon, but the structure that we had in our starting team needed fixing, um, and we spent trades to do that. If we get us a, a good starting team like we did last year, um, the trades could be extremely impactful. You could be coming out with those five extra trades, or but how two many or three, whatever did you come extra out trades. Of the buys with Jesus? Five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I had six, and I would typically have like three. So yeah, I had five. Five last year. Yeah, but yeah, you did have a. Bit- like a particularly good season though i think yeah that 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 just goes to show that it's probably too many you know like i've come out with the exact same amount last year took so much incredibly in-depth and thoughtful planning and this year just kind of went the seat of my pants i fixed up so many things i was sideways i had i didn't i I missed out on hewitt i missed out on crips i missed out on Raul at at the beginning i missed out on jack hayes like there was just so many people that I had to fix in my side this year and I've come out in basically the same spot. And now that we're basically saying, hey, 2023 and beyond, there's no point holding these boots. Let's just go ham. Yeah, We're really just concentrating those five extra trades in the first half of the year anyway, which is not really fundamentally changing the game long term because that's what we've always done. You know, we've always tried to use 25 of 30 to get our team perfect and then have a couple for the last half of the year. Now we're going to be using 30 of 35 to end up in the exact same position, maybe an extra guy on the bench that's a premium 
and still have five to get us through to the end of the year. You know, like even with everything went wrong this year, I still was able to go, hmm, what am I going to do with my final trade for three weeks? And then just ended up swapping Stewart and Sinclair. And it, it, it calls me <laughs> back to, I think, JB bringing in Matt Crouch, or I think it was for the yes. final game a few years ago. I traded him like, out. I traded him out. He, he went 140. Yeah, some, and you lost points on that. Like, um, yeah, it's certainly, I don't think, going to fundamentally long-term change the way that this game is played. All the fun is going to happen in the first 10 weeks, as always. And instead of spending 20 trades, we're going to spend 25 and have 10 trades for the last 13 rounds. Um, but uh, th- that that's just the way that I, I sort of have come out of that. But um, the other thing that I noticed with my team, I ended up with the exact same team value as what I did on my top 10 year last year which I found interesting that with the additional five trades and in such a poor, pathetic year that I've had, it's still generating the same amount. So I think like our our figure of about the 14 million mark of being like a really well-established and, and um, team that you've invested wisely in to generate that team value, we need to up those estimates to maybe an extra premium on top to maybe 14.5 mil to represent the extra trades that we have geez mine was yeah, 200k less than last year <laughs> i don't yeah. want to look <laughs> there you go I, I had way less money available so something went seriously wrong for me somewhere well not in your ranking because you still maybe team value's overrated Seriously. maybe that's what we're coming to here um okay so did you guys have any more discussions regarding the trades and boosts um that we want to take into next season i think it was a good discussion i can i definitely can see where cheese is coming from i think i agree the the fundamental change i agree with you both fundamental change probably isn't in the back half but more so in the starting team and how you structure your side um yeah and that's probably where the biggest impact is on the trades now that you know the risk profile is going to change yeah I think it's exciting um, to know that if we do get our starting teams right, which most years I think we do, um, we could be looking at one or even two premiums to, to sit on our bench or an elevated rookie that we don't have to trade plus a premium elsewhere, like uh, having a day cost and a tax on your bench mm. um, type of situation. I think that that prospect is exciting to me to know that um, I, I'll be rewarded f- for, for nailing my starting team, uh, whereas usually... Like we know, you come out with five trades instead of two, but the same team as everyone else. Um, yeah. But to now now have better cover as as something something of a reward, I think is exciting, uh, and motivates me to to nail my starting picks more so next season than when I have in the past. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So Dan Dan Houston's back on the radar, boys. <laughs> Can I jump in one last thing there, yeah, JB? I ask you, what do you think in terms of opportunity cost about the the whole? Um, having a, a Bontempelli on the be- bench, like a premium on the bench sort of situation, um, seeing as it's, it seems easier to get to a full premium side and and then have like cash left over, um, instead of taking so many value picks at like, say, 500K mark, do we start being like um, just picking off, say, when Oliver or Laird drops from like 700 to like 610 rather than actually waiting for what we would consider to be cheap, inverted commas, for these kind of guys, like, say, Petrarca that mid-year, we just go, yep, that's cheap enough. Let's just get as much 
cash on field with these amazing players and and still rely on rookies on the bench. So like rather yeah, than having for a higher full premium team. Yes. For example. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, all, I, we're I, always going to have trades to sideways these guys, and if we've got them, we can pick anyone else because we're not sidewaysing a Zach Butters that's underpriced. Yeah, I get you. I, I guess um, if I if I had have known what I know now, I wouldn't have traded in like a Zorko for five hundred and twenty. I would have just paid up for a a Dawson or, or something that you guys yeah, were, yeah. were looking at. Who you guys sort of exactly what with, I mean. But, I think besides that, I, I think we did do a lot of picking the right guys at the right price. But um, we have to remember the guys who do drop in price, um, depending on the reasoning, can be still the best eight mm. premiums in the game. I had Petrarca in that list up until I owned him for a month's time, in which case, <laughs> but he still came home strong uh, and still, I, th- I believe, finished in the top eight midfielders in the game. Um, once you consider games played. Uh, so I think total points you finish in there. I'll have a look at that. But um, essentially, I still think we, we picked the right guys with the right rationale. Um, I just think that some of those guys luckily become lower priced than, than what you would be paying up for if you sort of ranked them where, where you thought they'd finish the season. So um, Petrarca at 580 or whatever we got him at, um, as opposed to what we thought we valued him at at the time, um, is still a good deal um, regardless of how many extra trades we have. Um, so I think if we can just keep on picking the right guys at the right price, then we can have enough money for both. Um, it's just it's such a tricky game when it comes to picking the right guys at the right price, isn't it? So um, for, like Petrarca as the example, I, I genuinely had him in my top eight midfielders prior to him becoming affordable. Uh, yeah. And then even when he did become affordable, the rationale between uh, for his low scores was there. Um, and I still had him in that boat. So it's only after witnessing him sort of go on that poor run that I, I thought, okay, I've cheaped out on the wrong guy here. But um, it, you have to sort of consider the rationale at the time of trading them in. Uh, and Petrarca, eighth-ranked midfielder for points scored this season. So... Ninth on uh, average as well, so it's not like um, there's people missing out because they missed games. He's he's still yeah. right there. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, it's it's really difficult. I think we can do both. I think enough players get a tag or a concussion or an injury um, that are still going to finish in that upper echelon that we can do both still. Uh, and that's eighth ranked midfielder, by the way, with Jack Sinclair in there as well. Yeah, so. that's true. And by, um, and Bont, if you want to be picky, he's up to seven. Yeah, absolutely. So. <laughs> I just think, yeah, I think we're still doing the right thing there. Um, I just think this should give us more opportunity to do both. What do you yeah. reckon, Pistol? Yeah, I am I do agree to an extent. I think it's dangerous to draw conclusions from a, you know, a one-year sample size um, as well because this year more than ever... What do you think ever, we're doing here, Pistol? No, just this year more than ever <laughs> and with all of the things that we're going to talk about, the mid-price has really hit this year. Like we're talking when Merritt was low... They just hit Gilbert, different this year, hey? They did hit Darcy different. Cameron, <laughs> I mean, even Gresham, Charlie Kerno, all these Brody, guys... Brody, Cornelio. Um. They, they, they pretty much all hit. Somehow JB chose Zorko when he was like the only one <laughs> that okay. didn't hit. Out of all of them. I didn't choose off. No, he did hit. He hit He hit way too hard. He needs to go sit yeah, down for a little bit. Too many, too many people. So I, I don't think that's going to be a typical year, in which case I do tend to agree with Chizo's 
thinking in that, you know, maybe maybe for the boost, instead of using it to get more premiums quickly, which is definitely a valid strategy and was essentially the winning strategy this season because of all the, the value and the mid prices going well. If that's not the case next year, then it might be using a boost to cull an extra rookie for an extra 100k and instead of you know picking Zorko at 520 you, you pay 620 for Stewart or something like that I'm not sure but um, it just yeah the options on the table and it's something we'll have to look at when we see the prices for next season okay so I think we're ready to move on to DPP additions which is the next rule change um, as as we go here we might not get time to complete this, pod, this podcast <laughs> we're talking a lot about it which is great we get a lot of thoughts so um, it'll be good to reflect. So DPP additions, um, I don't think is a rule that we need to discuss heavily. I just need to ask, um, I'll start with you again, Pistol, because Cheese and I sort of had the last word on, on the last thing. But um, I think in the preseason, we identified that we might not want to start fringe players in case there is a lot of DPPs that stand out to us. For example, the Bontempelli's. Um, and I think we strayed a little bit away from that by the time it came to picking our first team, um, do you think we were on the money with that prediction in the preseason or do you think we started our teams correctly? So um, I can't quite remember everyone who got given forward status, but right now she's having a look. Bontepelli was the number one forward. He got forward status during the year. Luke Parker was number four. He also got forward status. I can't remember if Libba started with it or I believe no, he also got, got given it, it as well. Um, so that that's three of the top four forwards um all get getting given forward status during the year um is this going to be somewhat of an anomaly or um should we be looking to start less premium guys in the the mostly i'd say the forward line is where it becomes most relevant um in futures going in years going forward i should say yeah look i think you have to is a short answer but i think the better question to answer for this podcast first up JB is just what do we think of the DPP changes and was it a success for Supercoach? Um, Can you just answer my question first? Yeah, and then we'll, well that's why it. I said yes, so we could move on really quickly from it. <laughs> oh, you didn't want to elaborate whatsoever No, because I'm going to be a circle back guy, but I think it's important in terms of the context of why or why weren't the DPP changes successful. So it adds context. Right, well, if, we, if so. giving one word it answers, I thought they were amazing. Okay, so I, I think that... If you have 30 trades, DPP changes are really good for the game. And if you have 35 trades, the DPP changes are terrible for the game. So Uh, This is going to be a real interesting... How have you you come to this conclusion? So essentially, I I think it was... I, I think both in the rule changes... Like you couldn't, I don't think you could do both with the DPP. I think you had to just do one or the other. And the reason is because with the extra trades, it meant that one, all the starting teams became somewhat similar in terms of everyone being light in the forward line so that we knew the DPPs were coming and we could upgrade there. And two, everyone was upgrading to the same people because we knew Bontempelli would be the number one forward. And then as soon as like Parker was available, it was like, okay, well, everyone should get Parker. And then Libba came and I couldn't afford Libba. But everyone was targeting the exact same people in the exact same rounds as well during the upgrade time. And this was periods of time where people are actively making their teams better by doing their trades, but you're not moving anywhere really 
in rank because you're all targeting the exact same people. And you have to. Because Bontempelli finished number one on his line. There wasn't a choice to just fade Bontempelli and pick him up at another time of the season. I mean, he averaged eight more than any other player in his position. Like, you, you had to get him. And I th- he played a game less than anyone else in the top, like, six players and finished 50 points clear still. <laughs> Look. It, That's unbelievable. I don't think it's healthy for the game in for everyone to have to target the exact same people. And, you know, as someone who writes articles, and I was purposely, you know, throughout the year trying not to double up on articles or things mentioned um, you know, in the Herald Sun when we're writing for codes that there's a bit more variety. But sometimes you're looking at it and you're like, geez, like I have to say to get Bontempelli this week because realistically it's the best option, but it's not just the best option. Like it's, it was kind of at the stage where it was like the only option, which was a little bit disappointing. And I think because of the trades that we have, the extra trades, like it really encourages people to go after these deep, high you know, midfielders that become forwards um, and try and get as many of them as possible. So I don't, I didn't really like what it did with our starting team because we'll force. Can I contest this a little yeah, bit? Yeah, go for it. So Josh Dunkley <laughs> had sixty four percent ownership, started as a forward. But why? Brody had fifty four percent ownership, started as a forward. Heaney forty five percent. Canelio fifty eight percent, started as a forward. Yeah. Um, those guys all finished top seven in the forward line. Yeah. Uh, and those guys are all more highly owned than but Luke Parker, why? who had Think 30%, about that for a second. Bont, who had 35%, and Libertori, who had 9%. Yeah, but you're not, firstly, you're not looking. I mean, that's a really easy one to, to just dismiss. Firstly, plenty of the teams go ghost ship, and you said they started with them, which I agree with. They did start with them, and then they ghost ship, so the ownership. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Never drops. Secondly, you have the same, everyone knew that more forward DPPs were going to be added to the game. So it meant that we were forced to pick Dunkley because we knew he would be in the top six. So everyone got Dunkley, so his ownership rocketed. Then we were like, well, the mid prices, we need to get them because then we can have the option of trading them to you know the DPPs that get DPP throughout the season, like Bontempelli and Parker. So people got forced into taking the Cornelios and the Brodies of the world. I mean, they were good picks in their own right. But the reason their ownership is so high is because there wasn't that much variety. I would have loved to have seen all these starting teams that had, you know, Hawkins or um, I guess I'm going to say Butters. Good um, run coming up. <laughs> you know, sorts of like Bolton, um, people Ew. like Zach Bailey. Those, those players are bad picks regardless. I mean, the bad picks when you have Bontempelli and you have Liberatore and you have Luke Parker, Tom Hawkins finished ninth for total points for forwards. If you don't have those three, he's a top six forward. Then he's not a bad pick. Then you're not going to argue a top six forward's a bad pick. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. But the, 
I could. Give me time. I I, I totally, totally see where you're coming from, Pistol, that it pigeonholes us into a a template-type strategy for those that are expecting incoming DPPs. The, the, The counter for that that I would say is that it's not entirely different to what the rookies do for our sides anyway. You know, like we'd, we'd love to go three premiums, two mids and a rookie on field in defense. But if you've got no rookies down there, you have to go one deeper. Like just think of the year before yeah. where um, a lot of us didn't have a single rookie on field or um, and, and we were kind of forced into that. So I, I feel like it's just... A new element to the game, and I'm not. I'm not saying that I disagree in saying that it's good or bad. I just see it as it a, another variant to that sort of um, aspect of the game that already exists. The the thing that I've already stated, I think it's too many trades. In that, I do agree that the 35 trades plus DPP is making it a little bit too casual friendly, in my opinion. Um, which I guess for for their product is what they want. They want people to stay around for longer and and be on their platform. But I think inherently the game may may I may not find personal enjoyment as much by by it coming across that we do get pigeonholed into this additional aspect of. Yeah. Well, I'd love to pick these three guys, but I can't. I can only pick one because what if Bont appears in round six? And then he doesn't appear, and you're like, okay, well, we're all chasing after the same people now. Um, and so I, I totally, totally agree with where you're coming from, but I can also see how it's reflected in, in other aspects of the game that's already there. But I'm probably 60-40 on the negative side, that if you add the amount of trades and the DPP and the way that teams are all chasing the same players, yeah, I, th- I, think, I think it's probably not as bad beneficial in terms of um, quality of life for the game but it's probably great for the quality of people having fun hitting that really addictive trade button so I, uh, just sorry I just, JB, think... just just to quickly to cheese i do agree in that the rookies you know dictate a structure but you know, if there's a very limited amount of rookies and we're all forced into a similar structure, like that's a that's a actively like negative on the game. That's something that we don't like. And then you you yeah. add this into it, and you're like, well, why am I adding more of a negative? Like we we're trying yes. to fight yeah, that. Yeah. So so that's where that comes from. And and playing AFLW fantasy this year with the expansion clubs, I know it's a you know strange year because of the expansion clubs, but there's so many rookies across every line mm-hmm. that you can pick. Any structure you want. You can pick, you know you're going to pick, you know, X amount of premiums, but literally every team that you see has those premiums in different positions. So every team is so unique just because there's just such a large amount of, of rookie options. And that that's something I think Supercoach should somehow be trying to, you know, get to that stage. I mean, I don't know if it's lowering the prices of the first round draft picks and, you know, people might say, oh, well, then everyone will pick Dacos. But the thing is, everyone's picking Dacos well, they anyway. Well, they need to stop pricing McCartan at like 180 yeah. when he should have been at 102K. I think they do this themselves. But everyone. Um, and, they, and they talk about how much, yeah, exactly, across the board. I mean, um, they, they do this and they, they talk about how much they want this to be a more casual, friendly game. But then their pricing just seems so harsh. Like, Players like Cunnington, who's who's just had a season off and average fifty, he's not going to get priced at fifty, is he? No, like, they won't. He's, he won't he's, be nah. at they'll they'll manually choose to price him at like seventy five. 
but and, and it's likely the same as like Taron Thomas and players like that who would be unbelievable bargains who uh, would all love to open up our structures next year and and to sort of pick as as really good enablers to to have us pick. You know, I might want to go five deep in midfield. Pistol might you know fancy the, the forwards and defenders more or go you know two deep in ruck. Whereas I don't want to. Um, the higher they price these players and the more essential they become as actual players, regardless of their price. Um, the more we get forced into this type of um, structure, which we hate. So I think the pricing by Supercoach can change. I think there's scope for it to change. Um, I don't think it will, though. Um, so I think we are going to get forced into this. I just call back to, like, Liberatore, 9.1%. And not not to disagree with you, Pistol, but um, just to sort of offer a little bit of a silver lining in the fact that these players might be desirable. They might become forward status. Um, but you still have to be the, a good enough to coach a good enough coach to get them in your sides. We've been saying all season that Liberatore is a good pick, uh, and nine nine point one percent of coaches were able to get him. Um, so where you know, there's just it's probably because Heaney and Cogs were so highly owned, and and you know they're not sideways in one of those guys to him. But I'm just saying that there is still some hope for alter alterations in insides um, coming up to the last few weeks at least. So. It, yeah, it's it's hard to talk on because like, there's so many factors. It's you, we just want the game to be perfect, but it's just never going to be like that, unfortunately. I think remember yeah. remember when you introduced this topic, it was like we're probably just going to brush over DPP <laughs> because it's not that important. What did so. you I think, think? I liked. It. I think JB, you're right. <laughs> if you if you oversaturate the market so that there's so many good viable options, everyone's team will be different. I think that's what Supercoach has been scared to do, as you said, Cunnington giving him you know, not giving him a discount when he should be priced at whatever, you know, 180K or whatever it is. Like, obviously, Cunnington, I get it. Everyone will pick him at 180K. Maybe it can't be that price. But if you price, you know, five at whatever, 300K, I'm sure he's going to be, but you don't manually manipulate everyone's price. So there's, you're like, you know what? There's actually 12 really good forwards, exactly. but I can only pick eight of them. And my eight that I pick might be different than, than your eight, especially if rookies are, 123k across the board, for example. Then I'm not comparing, you know, J J F um, Horn Francis, you know, at 212k, and I'm looking at Cunnington at 212k. You know, that doesn't make sense. But then I have to pick, hey, is it Cunnington or is it is it number one pick plus 100k versus Cunnington? And then it becomes, you know, a lot more enticing. So I think the answer to making everyone's team much more different isn't actually forcing the template and making people choose between that way. I think it's just giving us an overwhelmingly large number of options that are viable and then letting us pick our team from that. And yeah, it's, it, I guess, dumbs the game down further, furthermore. But in combination with 35 trades, I think, it, I mean, it would be frantic, but I think that's probably the way to go about it for enga- engagement It'd wise. be more interesting. I think both, both ways, I think it keeps the quote-unquote experts happier. Uh, and I think it keeps the casuals happier as well. And it, it's like they their solution is to drip feed us these good options. Um, but by the by the time the season starts, these options have probably half ruled themselves out with other injury or um, role or fitness or the coach, whatever the coach says. So um, if they drip feed us, you know, six options next season and then three of them rule each other out, then we're all picking the exact same team all over again every single season. Um, so it's like they don't account for the fact that these guys might not actually be viable options by the time the season starts and, and they price them in December. So, um, yeah, look, it, it's super interesting. I think altogether DPP is, is a positive change because I think 
yeah. enough can be done about it to to really make it the most one of the most interesting and enticing things about the game. Um, and that's looking forward and hypothesizing and players that traded in Bailey Smith traded in an absolute dud until he got forward status and I, I appreciate that. Um, but it's it's also got its it's got its drawbacks and like I, I don't think the the boost, the trade boost, for example, has drawbacks. I think this does. Yeah, it's it's interesting when I think about the season as a whole, like the most probably the one of the I guess I'd say most fun, but it was painful for me, but fun for others. The most fun part of the season was what you do with Canelio. I mean, you had an option of either keeping him, and obviously we know how that went, he becomes a top-end premium, or you sideways trade him at his price to another premium and see if you know that premium is going to outscore Canelio. And the people that traded him out inevitably lost that battle most of the time. And I did. if you lose, if you have... There's a third option. <laughs> yeah, win the battle. Um, if you have... 12 really good forward picks and I've started you know you know five of them and I think well I have the eighth best forward do I want to gamble on at this very point in time trading out my player to Tom Liberatore but Tom Liberatore is not guaranteed to outscore my original player one you increase variety of teams because not everyone's going to pull that trigger and two like that's an active decision that you have to make that may make your team worse as well so yeah I think that's probably the direction that I would like to see the game go. Nah, just keep the trade boost, uh, but go back down to 25 normal and five boosties and then keep DBP and everything's sweet. <laughs> you could do that as long as you lower the prices correctly. <laughs> More yep. variety. Yeah. Lastly, uh, we've got the edit trade function, um, which I, I, I utilize once or twice. Um, if I had have known what Chizo told me in the last couple of rounds, I might have utilized it more. Chizo, what did you discover about the edit trade function late in the season? Round 23. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I think the edit trade function is something that's been necessary. Um, it's been great. I think on the whole is, is amazing. I think the downside to it is literally just in the back-end coding and the way that it presents itself on both the website and the app. Um, because early on in the season, um, I was hanging out with a few mates and we were, we were playing some X-Golf and having a few beers and pizza and stuff. And then I did a trade and then it was mid-round. I tried to reverse it. And not having the reverse trade function because it becomes update trade became very difficult in the way that it presented itself on the app in that you have to like work backwards. There's no button to say like... This like with one click of a button, it'll just flip everything back. I've, I found like I had to go. You could choose between updating the trade in or the trade out section, and I, like I remember having this conversation with you, Pistol, yeah. where we were stumped for like an hour trying to figure out just how, how to make it work. Yeah, and then yeah. I was like, I have to. I literally had to like work, like, like it's not even. A re- it was like a double reverse. I like I wasn't trying to. <laughs> I wasn't like picking the guy. Theorem of like in the background. <laughs> I wasn't picking the guy like that I previously had on my team to come back because like it wasn't registering. That's what I was trying to do. So I couldn't actually click his name. I had to real like realize that I had to trade out the guy that was in my side 
and then like swap DP because DPP became evolved and then I had to remember that this guy went there before it could let me click on the like you literally had to work backwards to get it to work and I was just yeah. like there, there must be a simpler way and it, it did improve as the season went on but what you're actually referencing um, JB is that when you're looking at your team on the field it used to have um, uh, like an undo changes or an update trade functionality sitting right there um, but then there was like a section that was like um, uh, you could like show your buys, you could clear trade, you could like there was like a drop down arrow and it was like undo or update, undo changes yeah. um, rather than reverse trade or update trade. And then in undo changes, it would then take you to your most recent trade. Um, but the way that it presented itself on the app and the website made it look like that if you had used your last trade, that update trade tab had completely disappeared. And it wasn't until I got asked on Twitter like if you could do it and I messed around on the app that I realized that if you undo changes, which is what usually reverts everyone back to the bench and changes your C and VC from last week, rather than just updating the trade, you could then manually input it yourself. So there was still a way, even though you used your last trade, to update it. Whereas as the year was going on, we were using another trade to bring that person back in, which would refund our trade. So there was actually two ways to use the one functionality within your team. And I just felt like that was a, not presented as well as it could have been. But yeah, for something so awesome. <laughs> yeah. And there was a third way. You yeah. could click on the player that you brought in, Me. hit the trade button, which wasn't on anyone else and then take you to the trade screen exactly, and then do that. So it was actually three separate ways to do the one functionality, and they were all literally different. Like, there was no coherent one way of doing it. They all presented it in three separate ways. And, and it's a functionality that we usually have to, like, pretty much matrix hack the site to, to do last season. Yeah. And then they introduced this great update trades thing, which overall unbelievable functionality. We couldn't be happier with it. Um, besides what you pointed out earlier. And we were like, okay, we can now do this hack thing, but we have to have a trade available. And it just turns out you don't, which I think is pretty cool as well. So um, something to remember for next year, if you've used all of your trades for the week, um, uh, you don't have to boost, you don't have to do anything. You can still update your trades and, and trade someone back to the, the, the first person. I'm yeah. confusing myself. Yeah. But um, yeah, so that functionality does exist despite you're not having trades available, which we thought didn't. We thought we had to keep one handy. Um, so, look, I, I think overall great functionality. I don't know if we need to really discuss it. No. Pistol, did you have anything no, no, you wanted to totally, jump into? Totally or? agree with you. So it, was, it was just, it was too much. I could, the, the one-sided in and out and trying to figure it out, like I couldn't do that method. I had to use a different one. Yeah, so. it seemed and, like, and, like it just wasn't coded to perfection. And literally, literally round 23, and we know this game, well, we felt like we needed this game inside out. Round 23, I posted the question in the chat. I've been asked on Twitter, do you guys have any input? And none of us knew. <laughs> and you actually said, no, Pistol, no, yeah, that's not possible. You need to trade. <laughs> And I was like, well, I, I, I just did it. <laughs> You're like, what? Right Show then. me. And I had to literally screen record my app for you to be like, wait, yeah. hold on. I could have used that all year. Yeah. Because okay. like, if you had, if you had used all the trades for that round, you were just like, oh, well, look, I can't do the reverse trade because I've used them all. Yep. Whereas like the whole time, you just had to click a completely different section. I'm glad we found it out now. That that's that's. I might have to re-listen to this podcast <laughs> going into next season to get my head around it again. But I haven't finished complaining. <laughs> I haven't finished. Yeah. 
When are we oh, getting shit. rid of the four emergencies? I'm sick and tired of having a laid out and not being able to have my second playing bench player come on the field. I'm sick of it. Yeah, we're going to discuss things we'd like to see in the game, JB. Are we going to do that? All right, you know what? Yep. I'm going to I'm going to scratch out things we learned regarding our starting team because I think um, we've pretty much crap. covered that with the rule changes. Um, <laughs> all right, let, let's let's discuss some things you'd like to see in the game. We'll, we've updated this on the fly. Um, all right, so Cheezo's already alluded to the emergency system, which I think absolutely is overdue for a revamp. Um, the issue that you alluded to then was um, if you had two guys that were a late out potentially um, during the round, but you didn't know it until, like I said, they're in the very last game, you would have liked to have emergency two guys on that line um, but they already, they'd already locked out. So you had the cover there ready to go, but they're locked out as non-emergency because when you do emergency both players, you get the lower score. So you get punished for emergency both guys, but you actually needed both guys for cover that round. Um, and and if, the, if they just lock out before that last laid out, you, you just, you're just tough like you get a donut entirely. So um, really tough punishment for actually having cover for guys who are late out. So I agree. I think the whole thing needs a bit of a revamp and uh, maybe just, I don't know, you could do, you could get rid of emergency completely or just prioritize your emergency but still have everyone as an emergency. Yes. Um, that, that type of system. Or you could just, you know, we've spoken in the past about having a, um, nominating someone to go into like a specific bench spot, like a um, uh, what what is the word I'm thinking of? Um, utility. Like it can be, yeah, utility spot. Um, or like a couple of guys to go in utility spots so that just cover the entire field, or something like that. So I don't know. There's a few different ways that they, that they can do it, but I think just being able to it's like this is my number one on this line, this is my number two on this line, but I want both guys to cover if I have two outs is surely. Surely there's capabilities to, to be doing that sort of system. Yeah, I've said this before and I, I had a response being like, oh, there's only you only have four people on the bench on um, in real footy. And I'm like, well, yeah, I get that they're trying to mirror it in a little bit of a way, but we've already got 22 players on the field, so it's, that's already not mirroring <laughs> we've it. Eight, we've, we've, already got, we've got Yeah, we've got a stack on the bench and we can only choose four. Just like... If you want to make it easier for for everyone involved, including casuals, just take that away where you can just rank each week like one, two, three, my three midfielders in this order. So as a donut appears, that's I captain the a non-playing player like every week and they're like, we need this to be more realistic, guys. Like... It's just not realistic. Well, it's a fantasy that's, game. That's where my... <laughs> We've just got Tickle running around with a broken collarbone with the armband just like, come on, guys. <laughs> that's what I mean. That's where my... He, he makes his debut every week. My suggestion would come in then is because we keep getting that feedback, I just think nowadays teams don't have two dedicated rucks in their side. Like very few teams do that anymore. I just make one of them a utility spot on field and let's just do that instead. One ruck and then utility spot. Yeah, but utility just equals ninth midfielder, it, right? No, because you can't. <laughs> yeah, it does. Not necessarily because you won't technically. Could you afford an extra midfielder this season? Like you might not be able to. I mean, to. If, if I didn't start a team of potatoes maybe. But <laughs> but then that's, that could add in variety as well on, on how you use it. Plus throughout the season, it opens up strategies of where you want to upgrade throughout your season because you can shift different people to the utility spot or whatever it might need to be. Um I think there's potential there. I don't think we necessarily need two rucks, especially when there's not many options to choose from. Like very few ruck options are 
you know, we're able to choose from. And the other one, JB, which I think we're all going to agree on very quickly, is please build the three-way DPP swaps into the game. Yes. Disagree. Disagree. What? Uh, no, I just I just wanted to... You said we'll do it really quickly. Uh, it needs to happen. In, please. Like, we do it. Everyone does it anyway. And it sucks when you run out of trades and then you can't do it anymore. And it's just a little unfair that that happens when you could do it throughout the Especially now with DPP swings. Yeah, like, it, it's never been more it. relevant. Please. Yeah. I mean, what, what you're alluding to, just to, in case... Um, the god of the Herald Sun is listening, um, is bit having someone in defense, midfield, and forward, um, all of them with DPP eligibility. You cannot swap those three um, players. Just, you know, you're, you're forward to the midfield, your midfield to defense, and your defense to forward without actually having to trade someone in that's not currently in your team and won't be in your team, uh, and then trade them back out again to the player that is currently in your team. So, massive pain. Um, not having that functionality and yeah with with dpp coming in and being more relevant than ever this season um please please implement we're, that we're gonna we're gonna end up with more situations like that it used to be like a little bit rare but this year yeah. it's gonna happen i mean like oh, moving forward I had Himmelberg it, it happened already a lot this year. and taranto yeah, Himmelberg. and i was like Himmelberg and mitch mcgovern at different points in yeah. the season absolutely you, you need we just need that so badly now everyone's gets dpp please what else? What else do we think? I think they're the main ones. Every single player in my forward line has has um, DPP, even my bench players. I'd still like them to implement something that um, softens the injury blow if it happens early in a match, but I don't know if it's possible. Yeah. Um, I know AFL Fantasy or uh, Dream Team, whichever it is, keeper or not keeper, draft teams have a rule that you can implement where if they play less than a certain percentage of the game, you get the emergency score instead. Yeah. Oh. If it, if it, uh, yeah, it can work for sure. I don't know if that, it's, it's probably a lot more work, but yeah, totally can work. Yeah, no, it probably is a lot more work, but I think, I think it um, definitely improves the quality of the game. Um, it's just harsh getting like a concussion can derail your season and the, the price drop is already brutal enough. So yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. If if it's possible, then I'd love for just that to be in like future planning somehow. Um, but they might just like the randomness and the harshness of the competition at times, which is fine as well, I guess. But I suppose it's like all things are equal. So mm-hmm. I'm just saying, if my captain goes down in the first ten percent of the game, it's cause of five. I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what else is on give the me, agenda? Give me my VC. Uh, all right, well, if that's all the discussions you want to have in regards to changing the game next season, then uh, we can move forward to discuss uh, just quickly, retrospectively, looking at our captaincy and trade decisions. Um, I don't even know how much I want to, to talk about this um, or like how much of a deep dive, probably not much of one. Um, just firstly, how do you think you guys went with captaincy this year? Did you learn from last year where um, you both said on the podcast that you, you could improve and that you can just choose safer guys? Pistol, I say this to you every year, you suck at captaincy um, and every year you admit that you do and every year you say that you're probably just going to copy me for the next season and then every year you don't and then every other same year that we have this conversation, uh, we look back at the points that you could have gained and I don't know why we're not splitting up 50k by now. Look. Um, so what, what's happening next year with this captaincy because you sucked again this year? I think, I, I mean, I had worse results this year in my captaincy than last year because my results this year were horrible. Nice. But... I think I was better at sticking to what I had said last year, whereas I really 
was rotating between Oliver and Neil, so I shouldn't have, and, and at the end took. So I, I, sh- I was picking the midfielders, which I think were the right people, but the problem was I didn't own Laird, who was far and away the best captaincy option for yeah, no, the second I. half of the season where he was just banging out 140s every week, and I didn't have that option. And when I was rotating between like Oliver, Took, and, and Neil, I was getting all of the 100 flats. I got so many 100 flats this season, like more than probably I've ever had. So I think I chose the right people that I had in my team, but I missed the highest averaging player in the entire game in Laird. So I was kind of a dead man walking in that regard. I mean, I didn't have Laird either, and I was pretty good in yeah. captaincy still. Yeah, the opposites of the Neils and the Olivers to, to myself. We <laughs> went the other way. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think... I think um, this is this just this doesn't just apply to you. Um, it might not even apply to you at all. I just think I get asked a lot about captaincy, and especially considering um, you lot keep pumping me up as the captain guru, which I really do not want that that name sticking because it's too much responsibility. Um, but a lot of people were DMing me, especially on Twitter as well, and just saying, "Hey, I've got these guys in the gun as my captaincy options," and it's just so complicated. It's like these guys have like a three-round average of 84, but one of those was a big ton, and now you want him to be your captain. Um, I think people just overcomplicate it. They, they, I think it's correct to look into matchups, but identify teams that are, are giving up big scores. Identify if you have a, a high high-ranking midfielder in that game, and there's an easy one of your two options right there. And then you know, look at your form players, look at who they're playing. If it's not someone that's going to tag them or um, someone whose midfielder has been like in- intentionally restricted towards others, then you know, there's your captaincy. So I think people just go far too deep dive and far too um, left field on their captaincy option because they're you know they're chasing the exciting Petrarca four goals, thirty touch, one sixty. Where instead, I'd rather just get an Oliver one thirty every week or a Neil one thirty every week or um, oh, hey, look, it's uh, Miller versus North Melbourne. You know, bang, there's a 150 sort of thing. So um, I would Four, chase... 104. Yeah, I, I didn't happen uh, in the second second part of that one. But um, I would chase the, the matchup with my VC and chase the dur- the, the um, consistent scorer with my, my captain is pretty much how I've got it down to as a bit of a science. So matchup dependent with a VC and then um, consistency with the captain. What about you, Chisa? How do you think you went with captaincy? I don't think it went too bad. I had Laird for most of the year, so I just kept putting the C on. <laughs> and, uh, no, um, uh, certainly I, I think I I learnt from last year. Um, I wasn't perfect in terms of um, not getting sucked into a guy that's going to go 180. I think there was a couple of times where I turned down like a 121 or a 123 only to end up with like a a 97 from Neil and like uh, I turned down yeah. 118 from Oliver and ended up with 104 from Took. So uh, yep, the, the, I think I think there was one instance where I, uh, I picked Neil over a 125-ish and, and lost about 30 points. Um, but there wasn't, it wasn't like um, last year where I think I turned down like a 130 from Ridley as a VC and ended up with like a 70 as the captain. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like I've been, I've been like a little, a little bit more consistent with just taking 120s and just moving on. Uh, but as I said, yeah, over the course of the year, sometimes you do just get sucked into a good matchup, a guy that's averaging 135 in his last five, and and everything just points in the right direction, and then you're like, why am I not? 
why am I always getting sucked into this? You know, it's it's like why am I always getting sucked into bringing in Whitfield? Yeah, I think I think I lowered my um, captaincy to about one fifteen for most of the season, uh, just because a lot of people were copying like tons tons of, like flat tons or sub tons um, because of uh, like random taggers or just. Um, like poor Port Adelaide I remember this one versus Melbourne like both Petrarca and Oliver subtunned out of nowhere um, for no reason whatsoever there was no tag um, it was just one of those weird games where everyone subtuns but um, that was that seems to be happening a lot this season so I actually I feel like I um, at least in my own mind uh, lowered my cap, my vice captaincy to about 115 120 it, it's 100% if it was over 120 then it was it was taken um, so yeah, I don't know if, Can if I you guys why? ended up lowering yours. Yeah, so this year was strange where we only had four people go above 120 with Took right on 120 and you you didn't own Laird. So you only had three players that the three hours rotating between Oliver, Neil and, and Took that went above 120. And then there was only three more addition to those four that went above 115. Whereas last season, I felt like we had a good 20 of yeah, us. Yeah, we had heaps. So... Genuinely, the, the, the threshold had to be lowered just because that's how the season was playing out in terms of averages. Well, I didn't I pick up on that. People, I was still chasing 120. Yeah, so. <laughs> I don't know if enough people adjust on that. Um, I mean, I didn't. Uh, and I'm just looking at it right now. <laughs> I, I think it's crazy. Like, And especially if you miss like a Lockheed Neil 190 and you see a lot of people get it, um, it makes you want to chase that score a lot as well. So, um, yeah, look, it's the captaincy, vice captaincy is big time it is such a mental game sometimes um and you really have to be disciplined and chasing the high scores i i, I want to say rarely works out like chasing the big big scores of your secure 115 120 plus rarely ever works out for a large gain so um yeah i think we need to get the uh i think we need to get nico the the stats man to have a bit of a look at in a comparison and maybe oh, just tweet at us man. the uh what what we did, what we turned down, and what we took in in terms of captaincy this year, I think it'll be interesting. But uh, you know, surely, I mean, next year, pistol, <laughs> right? Like you're learning. Next year, it's... fingers crossed. <laughs> okay, I kind of want to just get into the, the Wait, slap me one, if, if one, I don't start. One minor comment, very minor comment. Yeah, go for um, it. <clears throat> in terms of trading in throughout the season, um, I think. Yep. Uh, we had adapted throughout the season, whereas, you know, round six came up and we saw Darcy Cameron and had a bit of a laugh at the option. And then a yep. couple of weeks later, you know, he was dominating, but we had the opportunity to take a Himmelberg that was basically the same sort of deal um, as Darcy Cameron, you know, came in low low price, but very high potential scores. Um, and then at least I, I took the opportunity that time. And I think that... I don't want people to think their lesson learned is I'm going to make a team full of mid-prices because it all works out this season and that's what I'm going to do in 2023. I think the lesson learned is we probably got very lucky with most of a lot of the mid-prices, but through the season, when there's a mid-pricer, usually we would be, oh, you're only trading in premiums. But I think if there's a, a mid-pricer that has backing that's been scoring really well, that, hey, because of 35 trades, it might be a good opportunity to bring them in. If they do badly, I'll trade them out three weeks later, no harm lost. Or they could just be an amazing keeper. And I think that's where I'm taking, I guess, a, a bigger lesson learned than my actual starting team. Is there anything more important than the eye test when it comes to a mid-pricer? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's just, just like, the in eye terms, test. In terms of... 
role and um, and potential future output output. I think Himmelberg sort of speaks volumes. Is like if you watched him for that one forty or whatever that first defensive game was, um, you knew, like if he if he kept getting reps there, he was going to average bananas numbers. Like he was so good at it immediately, um, and he had kickouts from that game on. That's all you need to see. Aaron Hall the year before, another great example um, with you identifying him via the eye test. Um, the mid prices, I think it is, the game is so difficult if you don't watch enough football um, to, to sort of secure these guys and convince yourself of them as a, as a good option. Um, I saw Himmelberg. I didn't have the... I can't remember why I didn't, didn't get him. Trades. I whether it was trades or something else, yeah. Um, but it, he was one of the players that I identified as someone who was just going to absolutely dominate the season. And he really did. I wish that the move happened earlier uh, and his price was really juicy at the time. So um, I was very envious of the players that were able to get him in. But it just it goes to show a little bit more in things that we learn is that like you really need to, even if you can just get on the highlights of, of the game and, and just, just scout why this guy scored this amount from a price of 420K after averaging 60 for the year. Do you know what yep. I mean? Yeah. It's super important. Um, okay, now, a, seg- a segment that we love, a segment close to our hearts, slap me if I don't start. Um, do you guys need the you guys need the history lesson on this, I assume? Yeah, um, I've got no idea. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've pretty much, you, you received your slaps last year for the, the players that you hadn't started that you said, slap me if I don't start. So, I'm not going to dig into that history. I will advise that Pistol going into last season, going into the last year's review, was 0 for 2 on, on players starting. Chizo was 0 for 2 on players starting. And uh, I was 2 and 0. Wow. So we we said in the podcast that we could be a little bit safer, but it still had to be a player who we predicted having sub 10% ownership going into the, you know, the first couple of months of the season, before preseason. Um, oh so Pistol, if you recall, you chose Took Miller as your slap me if I don't start. Yeah. And uh, he had lower ownership because we only went with very few premium midfielders and he wasn't the top of anyone's uh, real pick. It was mostly the Neils and the Olivers. Or, I mean, I, I, I started took over Oliver, so I did badly with that. <laughs> Oliver, Oliver was the, the second, in, in terms of total points, Oliver was number two and Took was number three. And so somehow I've chosen the third best player in the game and it was the wrong decision. <laughs> The good news is that oh, because Oliver's always uh, anyway. The good news is is that you are now one yes. or two, so no you've repented for your your prior prior lies. Um, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get your fourth player from you shortly. Chizo, going into the the uh, slap me if I don't say you were zero and two. You backed in your guy Sean Darcy, who took you to the promised land, the top ten finish. And Chizo, did you start no way. Sean did Darcy? I? Yeah, you said slap me if I don't start Sean Darcy. Oh God. <laughs> No, I definitely didn't start Sean Darcy. <laughs> that you are zero and three, Chizo. So I'm cop that. I'm glad that you stopped um, yourself. That uh, it took one for the team. Are you? Can you, can you just break to the the noise like a, a slight? Because people think we're in a studio. Okay, just can you please just one time just be cool about this whole. Ow, JB, that hurt. Ouch, Charlie. Okay. Ouch. Uh, no, <laughs> you didn't get slapped, right? Just... JB hit me, <laughs> and that really hurt. Okay. All right, you guys aren't taking this seriously. Um, Chizo, you're zero for three. I'm gonna I'm gonna move on to mine. I was two and zero leading into it. Now, you guys, 
I said butters, and you, you guys got really upset at me saying that you know that's good, not good enough. Blah 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 blah. He's going to be started by hundred percent of the competition. Yeah, um, so I said, what about what about the combination of butters and the goey? And you guys allowed me to do that. Um, however, <laughs> I didn't start the goey. Um, I had it for a very very long time, but his preseason antics and just lack thereof preseason in general um, convinced me otherwise. Also, the the whole DPP thing coming in. Um, convinced me otherwise so I did not start to go here he was in a couple of my drafts but um, did not get in the starting team so that's my first miss uh, so I'm 3-1 because I counted butters um, the, oh, oh god it's mid-sentence <laughs> let me finish what I'm saying um, I, I deserve that alright so have you guys thought about this year who should I start with shit not no, well, he's not on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> I can't get him on. Um, any any other person I should oh start God. with? I'll, uh, I'll, no, I'll he's not here either. I'll go first. <laughs> okay, yeah, so Jesus, there's God, no, Pistol, so all in the options. same, all in the same vein. There's so many options. Um, there are, there are. But remember, we sort of need to start someone slightly left field. I think this person oh. won't be started because they'll be too expensive, and other people will go for safer options. So you can okay. it's kind of like a took equivalent of of last season, but um, seems really safe. But go yeah, on. I, I I actually I don't know if I'll start them. Um, it feels like too big of a call to lock in now, given the price and the other really good options. But what do you think of Jack Sinclair? Uh, I think it'll be like six hundred and twenty k. I know it's really expensive. I yeah, see, I I like it a lot because. Pretty much, um, if I can get his scores up here, he he had against Port, who are the most restrictive team against defenders in the league, Melbourne, who are very, very close to that same title, uh, and a Ryan Clark tag, he did not sub-ton for the season. So those were the three sub-tons, 85, 83, 79, everything else was 100 plus. Um, he's, like the, he's like the new Jake Lloyd. I'll be surprised if his ownership is low there. So I can or I can't pick him. I'll let Cheeso be the judge. Yeah, you can have yes. it. Yes. Really? That's insane. All right, Jackson Clare. Sure, 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 sure. Um, do you have anyone, Cheeso? I've got someone in mind. Um, actually, 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 actually. Can I just ask for permission on my guys? Because I might not be able to get them, and then you can go, <laughs> Cheeso. Yeah, sure. Can I go for another combination? Yeah, okay. Can I go for, if they're both forward eligible, pour, uh, the Port Duo, Butters, and Rosie? Yeah, I think you can. That's out. That's out there. Okay. I think that's so if both, enough. If that both players, you selecting to your starting team. <laughs> I can't believe you're spending our one swear per season. It's true. I waited. I waited till the last moment to sneak that into the season as well. I'm like that's an hour over outrageous. an hour into the final podcast of the season. Are you, are you talking about um, all Australian Connor Rosie being bad at football? Is that is that what I'm gathering oh, from you? It's 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 a risky combo in the forward line because you know there's only a limited number of forwards that you want to pick before the DPP rolls in. So I think it's risky Slap enough. Me if I don't start Zach Butters and Connor Rosie together right. next season, f- if we're both, I think the combo if they're not fair. both forward eligible, then I'll I'll amend it. I think they will be there. I think it's a fair combo. Thank you. Cheeser. I am doing what I usually do and going out on a limb knowing that I definitely <laughs> won't start them. No, no, no. Do you understand the point? You don't want to get slapped again. You just got slapped uh, earlier and that one hurt. Charlie. I 
<laughs> Slap me if I don't start. Tom Green is a Richmond midfielder. Ooh. That's that's good, actually. That's a good one. He's not cheap. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Can I say... Can He's I, not cheap. Can you, can you expand this to whichever GWS player goes to play midfield at Richmond? No. Because I want this no, to include Taranto as Taranto well. Taranto will be for, forward eligible, so he'll be a good pick if he goes to Richmond or Collingwood. Yeah. Okay. So no, I, I think the upside in Tom Green... So I honestly see Tom Green has the potential to have to go from 97 average, which is what he's done this year, to jump straight to the 110s. Like if he, if he if he goes to Richmond or Collingwood and gets or Collingwood, uh, more more Richmond. In my, <laughs> that's why that's why I specified Richmond, what's, just what's because. The, what is the difference? Uh, um, I, I just feel like the absolute superstar that is uh, Jack Crisp just will take too much of his mid time away. I think he's going to have Naturally. less. He's going to have less competition um, at Richmond, and if given the right role, I think he has like a very similar profile to what Oliver had in his second year, but he immediately just got given the role that he needed. Um, so lack of competition. Same sort of play style has also shown that he can go forward and and hit the scoreboard occasionally too. He's only going to be priced about one five twenty five to five thirty k, so he's in the the slightly higher range than what I prefer. But you got more trades. But so. <laughs> but I've got more trades that I can take. It. I I think the one thing that I learned from my starting squad this year is I went way too safe. Um, and tried to go guns and rookies and just stayed away from sim- these like sort of priced guys that like the Sicilies and whatnot that just went gangbusters and just destroyed like my season. I just feel like given the role, he's going to be that one that we're chasing after round two or three. It's just like, oh God, he's got the role we want. He's going to go 110 for the year. You know who I chased after round three this season who destroyed my year? No, no please it, do it tell. It was Tom Green. <laughs> Oh, I should have made the connection. <laughs> yeah, he he did actually have a ripping start of the year. Yeah, what was his average? Yeah, he was at one thirty after. Oh three. my god! Yeah, okay, this isn't as safe as what I thought it was. Averaging one hundred and eleven by round yeah, ten. Yeah, had him in. Um, so good luck is what I want to say, and I think there has to be an asterisk. Oh my god! He- 50, 49, 55, 105, 125, 58. That's a good... He's just brought his price down just perfectly yeah, for next year. more affordable. You, he did what yep. Zach Butters what should if, have done, apparently. If Rosie is mid only and Tom Green doesn't go to be. Richmond, do I win yep. by default? Um, um, I mean, we could, we could come up with backups or we could just change like on a win right, pre-season. All right, all right. Or do, do backups? backups? Let's do backups. Um, Someone take Himmelberg, please. <laughs> no, I'm not, not touching Himmelberg. No thanks. Um, you, you had your you had your pick. Jesus. Can I take Himmelberg um, as a backup in case Sinclair gets injured in the preseason? You, you had your pick. You had your pick. Okay. Um, I reckon I'm going to pick Jack Steele as an underpriced premium no, over the likes of over no, the likes of like Took Oliver. He'll be eighty percent owned. He'll be eighty percent. You reckon? Yeah. yeah. At 110, like he's got value, but he doesn't nice. have like that's insane value. Nah, he'll be, he'll be owned by everyone. All right. Well, that's my backup. I went out in a limb, I get a cheapie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my backup is Clayton Oliver. Oh, come on. 
feel like you're going to take Pistol literally said Jack Sinclair. Where's, where's the LDUs and the Himmelbergs of the world? I... Uh, LD is the one that I paused on for the longest, but I, I, I don't I don't think I want to start. Where's in. the chads? I, see, I I make my punts forward and back. I don't make my my punts Where's in the, the midfield. That's the thing. Well, nah. give mean, me something. Right, fine. Come on. Fine. Slap nah. slap me if I don't start. Give Nick me Dacos, a roll in Marshall. My back up oh, to the wait, poor boys. Don't give me a Who did you say? No, Nick Dacos. If the port guys don't get it, slap me if I don't He's start. Fine. David Swallow. <laughs> <laughs> slap you if you do start him yeah alright all right. so you, so I've got here backup JB has Dacos and Cheezo's backup is Errol Goulden <laughs> I wrote David Swallow because that's what he just said earlier <laughs> okay no, before we lose the plot I think um, Dylan Moore could be one sorry <laughs> I'm really I've gone on a a train of thought here. Um, you know what? Derail. Just for that pistol, you and can that do train the outro. is derailed. Yeah, it's definitely derailed. All right, you, you can do the outro for that I pistol. Will. I, I'm at my wit's end. No, you. thank you, everybody, for getting through another season. Willem Drew could be a good starting pit. No, With, is Dangerfield done? He's 400k. Yeah, he's he only averaged 83. He's actually done, isn't he? Do you reckon Oscar McInerney offered 105 for like, break even? No. Thank you, everyone, terrible. for another great year of listening to the Dr. Supercoach podcast and sticking with us throughout the whole cool. season. We hope you had a good time. Tyson's at the end of the day, that's what Supercoach is all about. Um, and we look forward to hey, coming back and doing it all again next season. So thanks to all the loyal supporters. We really appreciate you. I was going to say, if you have any questions, you can find us on Twitter. Hopefully, there's no questions because the season's over. So, too bad. Thanks, Walker. And, um, yeah, thanks, everybody. Got it. Zach Williams. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 